Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Rejuvenation's Health Radio on blogtalkradio.com. The show is brought to you by LipoLite Naples and your hosts are Dr. Ron and Dr. Ron. We are your station for everything natural. We are your station for information about slimming, shaping, and toning. We not only want you to live longer, we want you to have more life in those years. So without further ado, let's get on with today's show. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Dr. Ron Sr. Solo today at the new 4 p.m. hour. I hope this uh, meets with everybody's approval. Uh, 4 o'clock is... um, just before people start leaving for the early bird specials here in Florida. We are brought to you by LipoLite Naples, located at 1575 Pine Ridge Road, Suite Number 6 in beautiful Naples, Florida. LipoLite Naples added the Cryo Spa yesterday with a huge success. If you care to uh, get rid of your pain, feel better, have more energy, give... LipoLite Naples a call at 331-5886. That's 239-331-5886. Or 239-658-COOL, which is 2665. So 658-2665. So yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, we had the opening of the Cryo Spa to a wide reviews. You can check it out on Facebook under Rejuvenations or LipoLite. Uh, everybody that came in had a great time, had a great three-minute introductory session, and most people will be coming back for more treatments. The Cryo Spa, ladies and gentlemen, was on Dr. Oz today on the 3 p.m. show. Uh, he actually got into the chamber, and, and, and he... Uh, validated its use for pain relief. But there's lots of other advantages to the cryospa, especially the one at LipoLite Neighbors, which is the only one in the United States of America that uses nitrogen gas, which of itself is healing and rejuvenating and anti-aging. So with the latest and greatest... Uh, LipoLite Naples, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you have any pains or you're involved in any type of triathlon or boxing training or whatever, uh, the Cryo Spa will enable you, enable you to train harder and more often without pain. So athletic performance and recovery, sports and CrossFit injuries, improvements for like fibromyalgia and rehabilitation, Weight loss, as a side effect, you burn 800 calories when you uh, take a whole body cryosauna. And you get a great metabolic boost and you get an endorphin rush that will increase your energy. An incredibly new uh, device here in southwest Florida, the nitrogen cool cryosauna. So how is everyone doing today? I hope everyone had a good weekend. And uh, about this Dr. Oz show, I'm sure it'll be on YouTube uh, within a day, and we'll advise you on our Thursday show. Uh, you can take a look at that. 
although Dr. Oz has had it on his program three previous times. So if you if you uh, go to YouTube and uh, search for Dr. Oz and Cryo, uh, you'll definitely see those videos. So more about that in a while. Uh, so what, sh- what about today's show? Well, today is going to be a little eclectic, so to speak, uh, with uh, different topics. And I want to start out by Dr. Alan Gabby's $50,000 physical. So in a recent editorial in the Journal of the American Medical Association called JAMA, a physician related the story of his 85-year-old, reasonably healthy father who had relocated to an assisted living facility and visited his new doctor for a checkup. Put that in quotes. On the routine physical, the physician palpated his abdomen as a stomach area and noted the aorta appeared to be prominent. The patient was referred for an ultrasound of the abdomen in order to rule out an aortic aneurysm. The ultrasound demonstrated a normal aorta, but it revealed a suspicious lesion in the head of the pancreas. So then a CAT scan was recommended. On the CAT scan of the pancreas was found the pancreas was found to be normal, but a lesion strongly suggestive of a hepatocellular carcinoma was seen on the liver. Though so the patient therefore therefore underwent a liver biopsy. That's putting a needle into the liver to get some tissue to see if the cancer indeed is there. And also to judge an effective treatment. The liver biopsy revealed that the lesion was not cancer. Rather, it was an hemangioma. That's a lesion full of blood vessels. And it bled profusely during the procedure, requiring transfusions of 10 units of blood and seven days in the hospital. Another complication of the biopsy was severe pain requiring morphine, which resulted in urinary retention. The person couldn't pass his urine and a temporary insertion of a catheter in his bladder. That bill came to fifty thousand dollars. So the author of this report acknowledged that after the doctor's initial examination, every test and every intervention was medically appropriate. And yet these quote unquote appropriate tests and interventions nearly caused a healthy eighty five year old man to bleed to death, caused him a great amount of pain and emotional trauma, and cost the medical system a large amount of money. The author also pointed out that the only way this catastrophic outcome could have been avoided would have been if the doctor had not conducted the initial exam, as one of uh, the professors at a, in the medical school would like to say, uh, half-jokingly, if you don't take a temperature, you don't have to worry about a fever. Well, to be sure, certain aspects of routine, preventative medical care have value. However, for an asymptomatic, healthy 85-year-old, expert opinion is that a physical exam could reasonably be limited to measuring blood pressure and assessing his body mass index, in other words, how much fat he has. Moreover, an analysis of 14 other studies 
which included 182,880 participants, found that in adult populations unselected for disease or risk factors, undergoing a routine health checkup did not reduce overall morbidity or mortality. In other words, it didn't make any difference in, in preventing illnesses or death. To the contrary, one study found that having regular checkups increased by 20% the number of new diagnoses and increased the number of people with self-reported chronic conditions. So despite the evidence that routine physical exams and general checkups are not beneficial, patients continue to show up for them and doctors continue to perform them. No doubt many continue this ritual out of fear that some serious illness might be overlooked until it's too late for treatment. However, the evidence seems to indicate that whatever benefits are obtained from annual checkups counterbalanced by the harm done from following up on false positive findings. That's another that false positive means something looks like it's there, like a cancer, and it's not. So, you know, we should do our best, eat healthy foods, avoid tobacco and other toxic products, get regular exercise, maintaining positive attitude, and engage in other lifestyle behaviors that may improve health and prevent chronic disease. And we should undergo screening tests at appropriate intervals to detect conditions for which early intervention may be beneficial, like pap pap tests and colonoscopies, dental exams, blood pressure medicines, certain blood chemistries. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, which ones really have a predictive effect, a urinalysis and certain cognitive and certain brain function tests. However, with regard to the annual physical exam, that sort of is a ritual for a lot of Americans. The evidence indicates that patients would do just as well if they stayed home. So as a nation, ladies and gentlemen, we spend more on health care per capita as a percentage of our gross domestic product than does any other nation in the world. But are we number one? No. Yet, despite these massive expenditures, we rank dead last among 17 affluent nations with respect to various measures of overall health. As we continue to struggle both personally and as a society with the enormous and growing cost of medical care, it's imperative that we reevaluate all of our practices and begin phasing out those for which the benefits do not outweigh the harm and for which the benefits do not justify the cost. So take that with a grain of salt. Take that with so knowledge is power. Know that... Uh, the evidence shows that annual physical examinations may do more harm than good. And uh, as a, a adjunctive to that, there's a recent article uh, about medical errors I want to bring to your attention. Uh, this There's a tremendous, well, we'll go, I uh, just wrote this a little while ago. So it's, it's uh, every patient's worst fear, right? You're... you're uh, being sent for surgery or treatment that's supposed to save your life and your doctor makes a mistake, one that could kill you. Those of us that live in Florida, we have the Morgan & Morgan advertisements that remind us that the third leading 
cause of death is doctor errors. So we used to think it was a kind of thing that could only happen to any, that could could happen to anyone, but it now looks like it's happening to not anyone but everyone. A new report by the Institute of Medicine has found that hundreds of thousands of Americans are dying every year from medical errors. And most of us will be victimized by preventable mistake at least once in our lives. The problem is worse than the medical industry has ever admitted before. And it's never been more important to take a few simple steps that could save you or someone you love. So whenever he wants his medical residents to understand how quickly a mistake can turn deadly, Dr. Andrew Olson of the University of Minnesota shares the story of Julia Berg. She was just 15 when she died with a simple Epstein-Barr virus. Well, here's her story. You see, the doctors misdiagnosed Julia as having a gallbladder and operated to remove it. They... They never realized that the undetected virus had damaged her liver and left her blood unable to clot. So they thought she had a bad gallbladder. They operated on her, but they never knew she had this virus. She suffered massive hemorrhages and died shortly after surgery. Dr. Olson says there were warning signs all along the way that Julia was getting the wrong treatment, but doctors were afraid to challenge each other. Everyone was giving someone else the benefit of the doubt. And deadly medical mistakes like the one that killed Julia are becoming an epidemic. Sixteen years ago, when the organization first began studying the number of Americans killed each year by medical errors and put the number around 98,000. 98,000. But it now looks like the problem is five times worse than we ever thought. According to the latest report, as many as a half a million Americans are being killed by medical mistakes each and every year. Half a million people, ladies and gentlemen. Half a million. That's the same amount of people that die from cancer every year. So what's happening? Well, the Institute says... There are a few different factors all happening at the same time that make doctors more prone to making diagnostic and treatment mistakes than ever before. First, they're tied up with administrative tasks and insurance requirements, especially due to government programs with lots of red tape like Medicare and Obamacare that they're not spending enough time with patients. And I'm sure most of us have been to a doctor, you know, realize he's sitting there typing on his tablet or his computer as much as he is doing anything interacting with us. Even worse, new electronic medical records requirements are causing massive confusion among the doctors and nurses. That's because the information can be hard to access and often is presented in a high-tech, confusing manner. But the biggest problem is that doctors are ordering more tests than ever. They're doing it to cover their backs, and that's down low, their backsides. But every unnecessary test ordered increases your chance of being misdiagnosed. We just read you, I just read to you about the $50,000 physical. 
There's a tremendous reliance on tests, said Dr. Helen Haskell, the Society to Improve Diagnosis in Medicine. You have to know to order the right test, and the test has to be interpreted correctly all along the line. It's a complicated system with lots of opportunities for error. And as as an aside, most some tests sometimes are just performed wrong, and they have to be repeated before you go down that path. So despite how common medical errors have become, there are still things you can do to protect yourself and, of course, the people you love. So here's the recommendations. One, don't be embarrassed about asking too many questions. Anytime you get a diagnosis, make sure you understand how your doctor reached his conclusion and ask him to tell you what else it could possibly be. In other words, a differential diagnosis, we call it in our days. You know, is it just a cold, is it pneumonia, is it a virus, is it bacteria, so forth? Let him explain it to you. Never assume that your medical records are complete. Try and keep a copy for yourself of all test results, referrals, or any hospital admissions, and bring your records with you to all appointments. And three, keep an up-to-date list of all medications you're taking. Know the side effects and any potentially dangerous interactions you may know about. Believe it or not, studies have shown that doctors ignore potentially serious drug interactions all the time. And number four, when your doctor wants to run a test, make sure you understand why it's being ordered, or if you really, really need it. Don't be afraid to get another opinion. So we have a lot of trust. We should trust our doctors. But the bottom line is you don't have to defer to anyone. It's your life we're talking about, and with the potential for medical mistakes skyrocketing, it's never been more important for you to take charge of your care when you or a loved one is ill. So, ladies and gentlemen, please don't be afraid to speak up anymore. Uh, Things are uh, a little crazy out there. Uh, critical thinking, as we talked about in previous programs, is done with. Over 78% of our medical school board of directors are controlled by pharmaceutical companies. And I'll just uh, tell you that uh, I was going to report on this last week before we had a, another a clinical, uh, another technical challenge about a drug called Paxil, and, and, and here it is today in the Wall Street Journal. But I'll tell you about that anyway, and I'll talk, talk to you about Coke and how they're buying off everything. So you have to be informed. You have to listen to shows like Rejuvenations Health Radio, which again I want to be. I want to thank everyone for making us the number one show in in Florida for medical information. And let's just take a, a quick break and hear uh, Dr. Ron, Dr. Biggs, uh, a famous orthopedic surgeon, talk about the cryosono. This is Dr. Ron Repesey of Rejuvenation's Cool Cryo Spa, your place to chill at 239-658-COOL. If you've not heard of whole body cryotherapy and suffer with back pain, joint pain, arthritis, fibromyalgia, or you're an athlete that wants quick recovery from sports injuries, then come chill with us at Rejuvenation's Cool Cryo Sauna. Cryospa treatments take only three minutes and are supervised by physicians. Sessions are one-on-one in a private environment. Each treatment can also burn five to 800 calories. As seen on Dr. Oz, Cool Cryospa is truly amazing technology. 
Let's hear what Dr. Kurt Biggs, a well-respected orthopedic surgeon in Naples, has to say about cool cryotherapy. Hi, I'm Dr. Biggs of the Joint Replacement Institute. Since I started applying the cool cryosauna, my patients are healing much quicker and athletes are seeing quick recovery. I recommend this procedure for my surgical patients and athletes. Call Dr. Repesey now to schedule your cool cryo trial session, 239-658-COOL, 239-658-2665, located at 1575 Pine Ridge Road in the Noodles Italian Bistro Plaza. Rejuvenations, cool cryo spa. Come chill with us. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. What a great device. The first and only one in the United States right now uh, that has lots of great benefits, including that great endorphin rush that lasts for 36 to 48 hours. So, like everything else, it's not a miracle, but if you want to decrease your use of medications, if you want to get more active, if you want an an alternative to taking drugs uh, or just using an ice pack, take it to the new 21st century level and try the cryo sauna. So, if you're in Florida, 658-COOL, which is 2665, uh, or if you're going to visit down here, uh, we Take a look at our website, cryonaples, C-R-Y-O, naples.com. Just see uh, uh, everything that the cryosauna can do. Well, ladies and gentlemen, just a reminder that uh, the Rejuvenations Hour with Ron will be a half hour starting next week. We're going to continue at the 4 o'clock hour. We'll continue uh, at the Thursday hour at 1 p.m., but... Starting next week, we'll be 30 minutes, and we'll maybe do more frequent shows rather than longer shows. So, this study is called 329. And as far as Sarah Bostic is concerned, it killed her daughter. See, Cecilie Bostic had only been taking an antidepressant called Paxil for a couple weeks when she plunged a knife into her her own chest. Like millions of other children and young adults, Cecilie had been prescribed Paxil based on a GlaxoSmithKline study 329, a clinical trial that supposedly proved the drug was safe and effective for younger patients. But a new analysis is proving that this study was based on fraud, deception, and outright lies. It was part of a plot to make Smith-Klein-Glaxo money, billions, no matter how many young lives were lost in the process. Researchers are now calling Study 329 one of the worst cases of drug company misconduct in medical history. And again, if you if, if you have access to today's Wall Street Journal, you'll read uh, a, a version of this study that I'm reporting on right now. If you ask me, that's putting it lightly because this misconduct has put millions in harm's way over the past decade and a half. You see, when Study 329 was published in 2000, was designed to prove that Paxil could be safely taken by kids and young adults. But the drug didn't work any better than a placebo. So you know what a placebo is, ladies and gentlemen. It's a sugar pill or nothing, just powder. And even the FDA called it a failed trial. And that's when 
GSK, GlaxoSmithKline, put the spin machine into high gear. The company launched a massive campaign of lies right under the FDA's nose, claiming study 329 proved Paxil was effective for younger patients. The claims were so outrageous that the company even had to pay $3 billion, that's what it be, dollars in penalties after the New York State Attorney General's office hauled them into court. But by then, the damage was done. Doctors all across the country had drunk the Kool-Aid from GSK and were prescribing Paxil to millions of adolescents. And it turns out that in some cases, docs were handing these young patients, sorry to say, a death sentence. Through a unique program called RIAT, which started a few years ago by leading medical journals and standing for Restoring Invisible and Abandoned Trials, researchers started analyzing the 77,000 pages of raw data on this study. And they found damning evidence that GSK may have tried to cover up evidence of suicides and other risks of young patients who took Paxil. The data revealed that adolescents in the trial who attempted suicide, such as the one who took 80 Tylenol tablets, they were deliberately misclassified using a strange coding method or they were filtered from the results completely. Adverse adverse effects were even lumped together, so they appeared less obvious. In many cases, reactions to the drug were never even added to the trial's records. And here's the kicker. It turns out that Study 329 wasn't even authored by the 22 prestigious doctors whose names appear on it. It was written by a PR firm hired by GSK. It's clear that GSK was hell-bent on making a fortune off of Paxil, even if it had to hide the deadly risks from doctors and patients, risks that may have cost Bostic and other patients their lives. So we just saw how uh, recently the owner of a peanut butter company, remember that him just a few weeks ago, he was sentenced to 28 years in prison for knowingly causing a salmonella outbreak What do you think should happen to the people at GSK for this study? I'll leave that up to your imagination. I know what I would do. And scientists are now demanding that study 329 be permanently retracted and that GSK admit it it was bogus from the start. Well, good luck with that. And if you read today's journal, it's not going to happen. A British medical journal editor noted, Quote, no correction, no retraction, no apology, no comment, unquote, have been offered by either GSK or the academics involved. Does that surprise anybody in our audience? So while while GSK and the feds might not be doing a thing to keep Paxil away from children and young adults, there's plenty you can do. If there's a young person in your life who has been prescribed this killer and many are still getting the drug in its generic version, peroxetine, every single year, 
Schedule that person to see a doctor immediately. And be on the lookout for sudden behavioral changes because this drug has claimed enough victims and you do not want your loved one to be next. So Paxil, ladies and gentlemen, another instance of a failed FDA. I'll let you think about that one for a while. All right. Well, what do you think about Coca-Cola? Talked about Diet Coke, uh, making you fat. We talked about antibiotics in restaurants. Uh, How about Coca-Cola? What do you think? You think they're an honest company, above board? What do you think? Well, ladies and gentlemen, they have been busted. Some of the biggest names in medicine have been caught taking cash from one of the biggest names in the junk food industry, and I tipped you off. This is like cops getting caught cashing checks from the mafia. That's in part due to the efforts of the late Dr. William Campbell Douglas II, who I had the pleasure of studying with when he was in Atlanta. Coca-Cola has been forced to come clean and admit to how much money it's been paying out to buy off doctors and researchers. As an aside, Dr. Campbell actually had to move offshore in the last few years. He just died a couple weeks ago so that he could continue to tell the story uh, about the FDA and, and bogus medical studies. He was an incredible pioneer. He was a Navy aviator. He worked in Africa. He worked in Russia. He was a humanitarian, and uh, we really uh, miss miss him. So in the in the last five years, Coke has shelled out. How do you get this? A hundred and eighteen point six million dollars to some of the nation's most influential medical organizations. Here's what they admit to: three point one million to the American College of Cardiology, your heart doctors. $3.5 million to the American Academy of Family Physicians, your primary care doctors. $3 million to the American Academy of Pediatrics, your kids' doctors. $2 million to the American Cancer Society, and $1.7 million to the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, and only 850000 to the American College of Sports Medicine. They've been funding health initiatives in cities, towns, and villages and paying off some of the nation's leading universities. And, of course, Harvard is in there. They've given $1 million to the Girl Scouts. How about that? That'll buy a lot of cookies, my friends. But it's not cookies that Coke's after. They want support because... You can bet that nearly $120 million in contributions comes with some strings attached. And if you look around, you'll see it works like a charm. Not a single one of these groups has taken a hard line against added sugars. Has your cardiologist told you not to eat sugar? Has the, God forbid, if you're under cancer treatment, have they told you not to eat sugar? Not one, despite the fact that there's absolutely no room for added sugars in a healthy diet. 
We don't need them to start with. They are inflammatory. Sure, most of them will tell you to limit those sugars, but they act as if it's a-okay to treat yourself a little junk to a little junk each day. Members of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics have even specifically recommended a small Coke as a reasonable daily treat. You want to hear another scary part? This is just the tip of this sugar iceberg because this is just Coke's money at work. The rest of the food industry is quietly spending billions to buy off policymakers and medical organizations. And that story will be unfolding in the coming months. So why, why do I tell you all this stuff? Well, I want you all to think critically, to think about, don't take anything for granted. Don't believe anything. Of course, unless it's coming from Rejuvenations Health Radio at Blog Talk Radio. Now, if, you, if you're listening on the Internet and you care to join in and ask a question, uh, you can type on the Skype button or you can call uh, 347-989-8899. All right, so let's uh, not be too long-winded today. Just let me mention... Uh, low vitamin D status not only is associated with heart disease and everything else, but now they think dementia, also known as senility, and a gradual decrease in your ability to think and remember and affects your a person's daily function. Other common symptoms of dementia, emotional problems, difficulty with languages, a decrease in motivation, well, it might be due to low vitamin D levels. About 10% of people develop the disease at some point in their lives with an increased incidence as individuals age. Well, studies examining the effect of low vitamin D levels on the onset of dementia are important because 50% of the elderly have 25-hydroxy-D, that's the blood test for vitamin D, have levels less than 20 nanograms per milliliter. And that increases 70 to 90% among those with dementia. So there's a blood test for vitamin D. The normal ranges are 30 to 75 or 80, depending on the lab. And there's where you need a copy of your blood test because if it's 33, say, your doctor's going to say, oh, you're fine, but you're really not fine. You're at the lower edge of normal. You're not functionally normal for vitamin D. You need to be up around 50, ladies and gentlemen. Epidemiological evidence indicates that low 25-hydroxy-D levels are associated with an increased risk of onset of dementia. And, for example, in the cardiovascular health study, low 25-hydroxy-D levels were associated with hazardous uh, with hazard ratios for incident Alzheimer's disease and all causes of dementia of more than two, meaning your risk of getting dementia was doubled if your vitamin D levels were low. And uh, that study was in JAMA Neurology 2015, September 14. So low, low vitamin D levels, and we've talked about that on the Thursday show. You know, you must keep your vitamin D levels uh in the 50-plus range. All right, so here we go. Uh, 856 is back. Sorry uh, that 856 had to go for a while, uh, but I see 856 is back, so uh, thank you very much. 
Okay, so I've told you about a SPAR team. I'm not going to go there. I mean, that's been lied. We've been lied to. It's one of the worst neurotoxins in the, uh, that ever created. And you'll be seeing Coke and Pepsi getting rid of them because of the lawsuits that they are afraid that will follow. So, uh, oh, God. All right, look, so let's talk a little bit about salt and iodine. Yeah, if I can find my notes. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, salt and iodine. So there's a lot of confusion uh, about iodine. Um, you know, are we taking enough? Uh, it's used all over your body. So uh, iodine salt has been the most effective public health initiative uh, to attempt to reduce iodine deficiency, and thus the resulting hypo, that's underactive thyroid. But it's not that practical. The advocates will say it costs less than five cents to iodize a ton of salt. But the opponents of iodized salt feel that the amount of iodine isn't enough. And besides, you'll get hypertension from all the sodium and salt if you try to use it for iodine replacement. So... Let's clear up a few issues about iodine. Iodine is needed and essential for your thyroid and proper thyroid hormone production. Iodine is needed for the proper conversion of T4 to T3, as well as utilization of thyroid within your cells. Iodine is not just for your thyroid. It's needed in all of your cells. Each and every cell has a receptor for it. Iodine is especially important for your breasts and prostate. We've got both men and women covered there. If you have a disorder with your breasts or prostate, the first thing you should do is check your levels of iodine. If you have a documented... Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. If you have a documented allergy to shellfish or contrast media used during imaging tests, that might not be due to allergy. Reaction to contrast media are more likely due to the high osmolar or ionic content of the actual dye. The primary allergen in shellfish that causes your allergy or anaphylaxis is called tropomyosin. Tropomyosin. So I... I know many, many people who are deadly afraid of iodine supplementation because they've had a reaction to shellfish or seafood, but again, that is usually not to iodine. If your primary source of iodine is from salt, by the time you get enough iodine, you'd have to eat so much salt that your sodium levels would skyrocket. Not a good idea. Besides, the typical table salt is stripped of 80 minerals. It is bare bone. NaCl, sodium chloride, so it's nutritionally naked. It has no color, so that's why as we recommend the Himalayan salt or the Dead Sea salt. Iodine deficiency is also associated with an impaired mental development. So, should you consider supplementing with iodine? Well, iodine supplementation can improve health on almost every level, but it's not for every person. So how do you know if you need it? Well, how about getting tested? Just like with with uh, 
Vitamin D, testing is possible. I'll talk to you more about that. But what are the warning signs of iodine deficiency? You know, then they, most of them are concurrent and coincide with underactive thyroid or hypothyroidism. So here's the symptoms. Fatigue, weakness, or apathy. Brain fog or mental disability. So brain fog, a lot of people with uh, fibromyalgia have uh, hypothyroidism, dry skin or brittle nails, hair loss, constipation, depression, sluggishness. Of course, congenital hypothyroidism, which is known as cretinism, this is when babies are born with severe mental challenges. They may be deaf, mute, have some spastic disorders of their arms and legs, it occurs because mothers are don't have sufficient iodine and therefore thyroid hormone. Since iodine is used all over your body and all of your organs, especially your breast and prostate, you need to make sure that you tell them the truth about iodine. The truth is trillions of cells have receptors for iodine and need it for their survival. I think a lot of people are starving of iodine. Maybe they're afraid of it. But natural iodine, the, time, the what I'm going to tell you about today, not the radioactive kind, not the kind from uh, Japan or radioactive facilities. The kind I'm talking about is a natural and needed, just like other minerals. You know, we talk about magnesium, calcium, potassium, selenium, chromium, others. I just add iodine to the list. It is needed by trillions of cells in your body every day. So, you know, this Fukushima and Chernobyl incident, everyone rushes out. What do they buy when they hear about that? Saturated solution of potassium iodide, otherwise known as SSKI. Why? Because they need that, and that's what the Japanese government gave to everyone around that plant. You see, natural iodine helps to displace radioactive iodine. It's a little more complicated than that, but the point is natural iodine is needed as a form of protection from the radioactive sort. So in August of of this year, there was an article entitled Fukushima Disaster Causes a Dramatic Increase in Thyroid Cancer. There are at least 103 new diagnoses this year alone, which is staggering for the area. It's not from the natural iodine, ladies and gentlemen. It's from the radioactive iodine. So that, that's uh, don't have any fear. Natural iodine is protective to the thyroid gland. It does not cause thyroid cancer. And there's lots of other reasons to, to be worried uh, that you insu- have insufficient iodine, including fibrocystic breast disease and, and others. So natural, not, not, as I say, natural iodine is not radioactive iodine, which is used to treat the hyperactive form of thyroid disease. Iodine has well-documented research. Uh, it can even shrink uterine fibroids. There's a correlation be- between reduced iodine and lower mental IQ, that might be a reason. According to Dr. David Brownstein, who uh, authored an iodine article called Iodine, Why You Need It, Why You Can't Live Without It, he said the amount of iodine in prenatal supplements is woefully deficient and what he calls, quote, a public health disaster, unquote. 
the right amount of iodine is absolutely crucial to pregnant and lactating women. And uh, there's other studies from April 2015 in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism uh, regarding this point. So iodine deficiency, believe this, think of this, it's a risk factor for thyroid cancer. It can cause hypothyroidism and goiters. Iodine does support testicular and prostate health. Iodine's the status determines how big those thyroid nodules will grow, and it, it supports reproductive health. All right, so we, you know, I'm not going to go into the problem with salt, but your thyroid craves iodine, ladies and gentlemen. Your breast and your prostate crave iodine. So we want the complex form. But here's the catch. If you can't convert iodide, I-O-D-I-D-E, to iodine, everything suffers. That's why supplemental forms appear to be more useful to certain people. If you try to eat more salt in order to get more of the mineral, you will kill yourself. Again, eating salt is not the most ideal way, right? You just uh... So you can get tested for for iodine. Some people do a... a urine test, and they they rub some iodine on their skin. The 24-hour urine catch is a, is a much more accurate, as well as checking for thyroid globulin, a blood test, thyroid globulin levels, abbreviated TG. The thyroid, thyroid globulin blood uh, tests are much more sensitive as a biomarker for iodine status than the thyroid hormones. And... There are tons of things about iodine, especially if you're taking certain drugs like the fluoroquinolone, that's the uh, uh, levoquin-type antibiotics, the Cipro, antidepressant, cholesterol medicines, all use up your iodine. So if, you, if you're taking medic- medicines that are high in iodine, for for example, uh, cordarone, uh, which is used for cardiac arrhythmias, I mean, you could get thyrotoxic, so you can take too much, too. So what do you want to do? Well, get tested first. Get the get the blood test. It's the easiest one. You don't have to do it for 24 hours. Get the thyroglobulin blood test. If you're deficient in iodine and uh, you would like to buy a brand, you can ask your physician about what he or she recommends. I would prefer you take iodine in a quote-unquote complexed form so it provides both iodine and iodide. The inert ingredients differ from brand to brand, but some excellent choices could be iodine complex, 6.25 milligrams by Script Essentials, iThyroid, 6.25 milligrams by RLC Labs, or iodorol, 12.5 milligrams. And some of these are sold on Amazon, believe it or not. So what's the summary of all this? We need iodine. And as Dr. Berta Barnes has stated since the late 60s, early 70s, we are deficient and have an underdiagnosed problem with thyroid disease. So he was convinced back then, and it's borne out now, that the underactive thyroid is probably the cause of high cholesterol, atherosclerosis, 
and other diseases that include inflammation. So, again, just like vitamin D, you don't have to guess it. You can get a blood test for that. Now, that was a little more complicated explaining to you than I thought, but not too bad, I hope. All right, so there, let's just take one more break to hear about Dr. Ron's cryo, and then I want to just finish up with electrolytes, and then we'll talk about next week's show. It's the new Big Chill Rejuvenation Total Health and Wellness Center introduces the coolest new innovation for treating pain, injury, and arthritis. Whole body cryotherapy uses the healing power of cold temperatures to treat inflammation, fibromyalgia, and rheumatoid arthritis, and can even burn up to 800 calories, improve sleep, and help with depression. For years, athletes have relied on ice baths to reduce the pain, muscle soreness, and swelling from strenuous exercise. Whole body cryotherapy Therapy applies the same rapid restorative effects in a private doctor-supervised therapy session that lasts no more than three minutes. It uses a specially designed cold tank chamber that rapidly lowers skin temperatures to release adrenaline, as well as endorphins, your body's natural painkillers, energizers, and stress fighters. Find out more about whole body cryotherapy at Rejuvenation's Total Health and Wellness Center on Pine Ridge Road in the Mission Square Plaza in North Naples. Call 331-5886. That's 331-5886. An incredible treatment for yourselves. It is not expensive, and if even if you don't have a lot of aches and pains and you just want a boost for the next couple of days, you need a shot of energy, uh, you should go experience the endorphin rush of a cryotherapy session. Two to three minutes, that's all you need, and you come out of there, you are ready to dance. All right, let's just talk a little bit about electrolytes. What are they? What are electrolytes, ladies and gentlemen? Are they nutrients? Are they chemicals? Yes, they are. They're present in your body, and they have many important functions. They regulate your heartbeat and they allow your muscles to contract so you can move. So what are the major electrolytes? Well, within your body, they include calcium, magnesium, potassium, sodium, phosphate, and chloride. Because these crucial nutrients help stimulate nerves throughout the body and balance fluid levels, An electrolyte imbalance can cause a variety of serious negative symptoms, including some that could be potentially deadly. You obtain electrolytes through eating different foods and drinking certain fluids, while you lose them partially through exercise, sweating, going to the bathroom, and urinating. (coughs) Excuse me. That is why a poor diet, too little or too much exercise, being sick, and others are causes for an electrolyte imbalance. All right, so what do electrolytes do in your body? Now, let me give you a few ideas. Calcium, it helps with muscle contractions, nerve signaling, blood clotting, cell division, and forming or maintaining bones and teeth. How about potassium? That helps keep your blood pressure level stable, regulates heart contractions, and help with muscle functions. How about magnesium? As needed for muscle contractions, heart rhythms, nerve functioning, bone building and strength, reducing anxiety, magnesium, reducing anxiety, digestion and keeping a stable protein fluid balance, sodium, the, the 
the Na part of NaCl. Sodium helps maintain fluid balance needed for muscle contraction and helps with nerve signaling. And chloride that maintains fluid balance. So calcium, potassium, magnesium, sodium, and chloride. Electrolytes are found within bodily fluids, including urine, blood, and sweat. Electrolytes are given their name because they literally have an electric charge. They separate into positive and negatively charged ions when they're dissolved in water. Why is that important? Because of how nerve reactions take place. Your nerves signal to one another by a process of chemical exchanges dependent on oppositely charged ions, both inside and outside your cells. So negative, positive, not too negative, not too positive. It depends on oppositely charged ions. An electrolyte imbalance can be caused by a number of different factors. You know, just a short-term illness, medications, dehydration, or some underlying chronic medical conditions. And some just do fluid loss, like being sick with vomiting or diarrhea, high fevers, a poor diet that's low in essential nutrients, trouble absorbing nutrients if you have a leaky gut syndrome, hormonal imbalances, endocrine disorders, taking certain medications like for uh, treating cancer or heart disease or hormonal imbalances like diuretics, antibiotics, over-the-counter diuretics, corticosteroid hormones, kidney disease or damage, since the kidneys play a critical role in regulating chloride in your blood and flushing out potassium, magnesium, and sodium. So kidney disease plays a role in electrolyte imbalance. Chemotherapy treatments, which can cause side effects of low blood calcium or calcium deficiency. It changes uh, and changes in blood potassium levels because of this treatment. Well, let's just go quickly over some of the symptoms. Muscle aches, restlessness, anxiety, headaches, thirstiness, insomnia, fever, heart palpitations, like irregular heartbeats, digestive issues, constipation or diarrhea, bone disorders, joint pain, <clears throat> blood pressure changes, changes in appetite or body weight, and, and who doesn't have fatigue? Chronic fatigue syndrome is almost always associated with an electrolyte imbalance. Numbness and pain in your joints, dizziness, especially when you get up suddenly. So that your doctor can perform some different tests to uh, determine electrolyte imbalance, and most likely it will be combination of a medical history, blood, and urine test. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, you even need an EKG or an ultrasound or an x-ray because your, how your kidneys and your heart are affected by electrolyte imbalances. So just as a closing here, calcium should be yeah, about 5, 5.5. Chloride between 97 and 107. Potassium between 5 and 5.3. Magnesium between 1.5 and 2.5. And sodium between 136 and 145. So, yeah, you know, especially the those of us who live in Florida, especially we have to be concerned with it. But if you uh, have a good, healthy, whole food diet and drink plenty of liquids, you really don't have to add anything. Uh, you know, we, we like to use Himalayan or Dead Sea salt, 
and we get all the vitamins, minerals, sodium and potassium and chloride that we need. Uh, but if you have changes in your heartbeat, if you're having trouble sleeping, anxiety symptoms, confusion, or like bone pains, deep pains, you want to get checked. You want to get your electrolytes checked. So you can adjust your diet uh, depending on what is found. Uh, but whole unpackaged foods, especially plenty of vegetables and fruits that put, that provide potassium and magnesium are really effective. And what are some of them? Just a let you know, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cabbage, starchy vegetables like sweet potatoes or squash, bananas and avocados. Uh, a diet rich in magnesium or potassium is, uh, or potassium likely can be enough to solve problems like low potassium, right? Sometimes you can do it naturally. So to prevent dehydration, one of my favorite drinks is coconut water. I mean, we are lucky enough here in Florida to have it, but you can buy it. Celery, watermelon, cucumber, kiwis, bell peppers, citrus fruits, carrots, pineapple, lots of water of those. Good things to eat. Uh, we'll talk about monitoring your soda, sodium next time. You can drink too much water, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes you can overdo it and you can dilute your, your sodium so much that you can actually uh, feel tired and uh, uh, fatigued. It's it's generally it is possible to drink too much water though. It is rare unless you have some kidney disease. So and medications. Gosh, if you're taking laxatives or diuretics, I'm sure you're being checked, but antibiotics, diuretics, hormone pills, blood pressure medication all can affect your your uh electrolyte balance. And please, if you if you exercise really hard uh, drink that extra water to compensate for the fluid loss. Uh, you need the water uh, more than the electrolytes. And then you can consider supplementing if a uh, you know, good whole diet is not doing it. Uh, you can take magnesium or potassium, whatever, but you, could do, you should do this under the guidance of a healthcare professional. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Dr. Ron tonight. I really cannot say enough about the cryosauna at Lipolite Naples. And if you get a chance to see Dr. Oz's uh, rerun of today's show, October 6th, take a look on YouTube. You'll uh, see exactly uh, what it's like, although Dr. Ron's has a nitrogen gas to keep it cold and uh, much, much in more invigorating and anti-aging. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, next Tuesday, 4 o'clock for a half-hour show. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll see you Thursday at 1. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Happy birthday to Luigi tonight. And we will see you next week. Dr. Ron and Dr. Ron have left the building. Thank you for listening to Rejuvenation Health Radio here on BlogTalkRadio.com. See you next week. Ciao.